Welcome to You Can't Laugh at Work. This is the podcast that takes topics that you can't laugh at, and it proves that you can laugh at them. And the topic that I like to focus on with this segment of, of our podcast is work. Normally, we bring on comedians and we break down topics that uh, are taboo or offensive or or hack, and that uh, we break down why they're funny. Well, in this case, we want to talk about humor in the workplace and how drawing out that humor creates a more human and uh, positive and exciting and engaging and inspiring experience uh, within the walls of work. And I do this thing, and, I, and I'll full disclosure, I do this thing where I compare leadership traits to the same traits that make a comedian a good comedian. And so uh, I may interrupt you a couple times and, and kind of make that connection while we're having this conversation. And that person that I'm talking to right now is Robert Herzog. Robert Herzog is the founder of Zog Sports. Uh, you've, you've kind of put it under a, a, a different umbrella now. Uh, kind of explain the inspiration behind Zog Sports and how it's evolved uh, over the year, over the past sure. 20 so years. Zog Sports was the company that I founded in the wake of 9-11. I had a really close call on September 11th. My office was on the 96th floor of the North Tower. You know, tomorrow is the, you know, uh, 20th anniversary of 9-11. Um, I, I was just very lucky. A confluence of events had me not at work yet. And um, no one from my company who was at work already actually survived that day because the first plane directly hit my, hit my office. Um, but in, in thinking about kind of what I wanted to do with my life and the good things that happened during 2001 versus the bad things that happened in 2001, I actually came up with kind of my life purpose. And my life purpose became um, really creating real personal connections believing and facilitating caring communities and reminding people that it's okay to have a sense of play and fun in your life. And so I created my first business 19 years ago, which was Zog Sports, which is basically recreational sports leagues for grownups, you know, 20 and 30 somethings, even though we've got people into their seventies who actually play. Um, and all different sports, but it's really the concept of the camaraderie of being on a team and playing your favorite team sports and then playing for charity and going to happy hour and uh, making new friends and being with like-minded people uh, that really became a, um, something really important to me. Over time, answering your question, uh, we came up with several additional businesses that have that same why, connections, community, and play. And the other two businesses that we run are uh, uh, Zog Culture in-person, basically employee engagement events, which is everything from a field day to a holiday experience to a, an in-office team building and things like that. Um, and then a corollary business to that that we launched over the pandemic has been virtual corporate events. Mm -hmm. And it's virtual employee engagement experiences that range everything from purely social experiences to employee connection experiences to running conferences for thousands of people across multiple time zones um, to um, 
you know, all, uh, health and wellness types of events, right? That again, the same concept of uh, connections, community, and play at work, right? Okay. So Zog sports, connections, community, and play for the general population, Zog culture, uh, connections, community, and play at work. And so the, the overarching brand, we like to call it is Zog life. But again, the two businesses are Zog sports and Zog culture. Connection, community, and play. I, uh, so what I do, I teach people to develop their sense of humor uh, because of challenges, because of uh, failures, because of mistakes, you know, it's the quickest way to, to move beyond that. I actually got into comedy in the first place because of the tragic loss of a loved one. So, and when it comes to dealing with tragedy, uh, what we did, that's not the typical human response um, you know, saying that uh, this is an opportunity to do something to help people. Uh, what about something so traumatic inspired, like made, drew you to fun as the thing uh, that, that you would uh, bring out of people? After 9-11, I had tremendous survivor's guilt. I couldn't figure out why them and not me. And at some point, I came to a conclusion that said it, it had nothing to do with, there was no reason, there was no why. It was just simply a random act, right? It was simply luck, right? So in trying to synthesize a three-dimensional kind of problem, you know, issue, like what 9-11 was, and try to put it into my normal two-dimensional, you know, file folders in my head. Um, I, I went back and I just looked at things that had made me happy over time. And I looked at uh, all the people around me and I thought everybody was being so serious. I mean, they were being incredibly empathetic and incredibly caring. And those were amazing qualities. There was a kumbaya thing going on in New York at that time mm -hmm. that was unbelievable. People you know, holding the door open for you on the subway and like smiling at you. And, and like, it, it was really like an amazing time for communal living on the one hand. On the other hand, that ceased to exist after, you know, after not after six months, it went back to more normal kind of people being focused on their, on themselves and their kind of mm -hmm. their own thing. But I thought, what could I do that would actually build community and, and help people connect? And, and that's how I came up with the but the idea, and it, I think it's something that people need facilitated for them. Um, it doesn't just happen naturally when you, if all you do is wake up in the morning and exercise, get your cup of coffee, go to work, come home, watch TV, uh, it, it doesn't happen, right? Especially now everyone has you know, headphones on and people don't, you know, like they don't interact. Right. And so it's, it's, I decided I really wanted to be the one who helped facilitate those interactions almost disrupt the the day-to-day -day, the the mental routine that we go through i like that a lot um so you build this business around play for grown-ups grown-ups we're not supposed to play at work uh, so what kind of hoops did you have to jump through to connect that concept to the more stuffy status quo uh you know business is business and play is play kind of people yeah so at work I, I love what you said that people, you know, work is called work for a reason because it's because it's, you know, it's not supposed to be fun. 
I, I fundamentally disagree with that. I actually believe that when people actually have fun at work and, you know, the Gallup uh, study basically says the, the number one most important thing uh, about whether you are engaged in your job or not is whether you actually have a friend at work, mm-hmm. right? And at least one friend at work. And so I, uh, our Zog culture um, business basically talks a lot about the science of camaraderie and connection at work and how that actually improves business results, right? If people, it increases, if, if you are connected to people at work, you will have better information sharing, better collaboration. Um, you'll have better teamwork. You'll have people who care about each other more. You'll have more honesty in actually sharing information. Um, there's so many business benefits to people actually getting along at work. You'll have actually better retention. You know, when someone leaves a company, um, it costs between two to three times their annual salary to replace them, right? That's that, you know, that, that that's the science of it, right? In lost productivity and recruiters fees and all this different stuff, right? And so if people stay an extra year because they actually like their coworkers, how much money does that save a company? So we talk about all of those things and a lot of companies are seeing it now. We are working with companies in both more forward thinking industries like you know, ad tech and, and you know, technology and things like that. We're working with companies like that. We're also working with companies in historically unbelievably stodgy industries like law firms and financial services. And they are starting to, they, they really are not, they're not just starting, they really do understand the value of connection at work. And so we're finding ourselves in a really interesting place where the companies we're working with are like really range from you know, all the way on one side to small and large, you know, um, you know, fin- you know, technology companies to financial services and legal and and retail and things like that. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I tend to focus my uh, market on on the more forward thinking, the top workplaces, the places that already do like training and things like that, because uh, comedy and work, you know, those are two things that, that's like scary to consider those two things together. Like when right. I speak at conferences, I, I ask one of the first questions I ask the audience is what's the like, what's the first thing that comes to mind when you when you think of humor in the workplace? And a lot of times someone will shout out lawsuits and it gets a little yeah. chuckle <laughs> because every, because everyone agrees. And, and it's like, how do we separate those two trains of thought? Because one of my favorite quote is a Mark Twain quote. It's uh, uh, work and play are two words used to describe the same thing under different conditions. So how would you define play in a work setting? So in, in like the day-to-day of work, that, that spirit of play, uh, how would you define that in the day-to-day of, of being at work? So I think what you need to do is have some facility. It starts with some facilitated uh, kinds of conversations and kinds of connection activities. So we do something called 52 connections. We, we kind of modeled it off like a deck of playing cards. We basically came up with 52 questions and, you know, we'll facilitate them for, for companies where it's a, a safe space. Like the questions are very well vetted. 
Um, and it just gets people talking about things that are not their day-to-day -day job. So play at work is, you know, you think about what play was when you were a kid. And play when you were a kid was creativity. It was connecting with other people. It was solving a problem together. It was like all kinds of different things. It was, uh, and, and so we basically just want you to talk about things that are not work-related. And so by facilitating those conversations, you start to have those things. And things that come out become humorous, mm -hmm. right? So if you have a question about if you had a superpower, uh, if you could have one superpower, what would it be and why? Or what are things you did when you were 10 years old that you did for fun, right? So, I, you know, if I, I, you and I did different things, I'm sure. So we would talk about those things and we share those things. And I'm imagining 10-year-old David and, you know, uh, doing these things. And you're imagining 10-year-old Rob doing these things. And it like creates this bonding experience. And that's where the humor comes, like common things to talk about, unexpected conversations. Um, and, you know, you never know what, what you're going to kind of find out and learn about these other people. And the more you know them, the more comfortable you are to share a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. How big, uh, just curious, how big are the other groups uh, who are having these conversations at a time? Oh, so we will, we'll kind of introduce it uh, to groups, you know, as large as, you know, hundreds of people. And then we break them down into groups of four to six people. Okay. Right. Okay. So, yeah. So in the breakout sessions, it's, it's small groups of people where you, you know, you have got like one or two prompts that you kind of go around in a, in a, in a, um, and we do them for our, our meetings at work all the time. You know, we're virtual now and we, we start every meeting with some sort of a prompt. Okay. And, and, we, and we've been working together for years. Yeah. Right. And I still am learning things about people that, that I'm working with. Um, I just learned something about, you know, my COO who's been working with me for like 11 years, 12 years. Yeah. And I like just learned something about them like the other day. I was like, wait, you did what? Um, so you know, it, it, it's, it's good. It's good. It's, you know, and, and then, you know, we laughed about the fact that he did that thing as a kid and, you know, became, it was, it was a source of humor. Uh, that was actually my, my very next question. So it's, it's funny that, that you happened upon it like that. You can't laugh at that. Are you like everyone else in the world trying to figure out how to recruit and retain your top talent in a market where the employees have the edge? They're getting offers from all different kinds of organizations and you're struggling to figure out how to not only fill the empty positions that you have, but how to keep the people that you do. Well, I got good news for you because on Friday, October 15th at noon Eastern time, I am offering for one last time a free webinar. It's about an hour and 15 minutes. It's called Reframe Retention and Create a Killer Culture. It's an introduction to what it means to make your culture undeniable. It's the recruiting tool that most businesses are overlooking, and it starts with the mindset of your manager. That's right, culture is built into day-to-day -day interactions. And I would love to go further on this, but you gotta sign up to this webinar. It's free, so join me Friday, October 15th at 12 o'clock 
And if you can't make that webinar, that's perfectly fine. Go to watercoolercomedy.org. Scroll down to the bottom of the page, sign up for my newsletter. You'll get access to all sorts of deals, all sorts of exclusive content, webinars. I don't want you to miss out on this. You don't want to miss out on this. So sign up at watercoolercomedy.org forward slash what's a killer. That's watercoolercomedy.org forward slash what's a killer. And you'll learn what it means to truly have a killer culture. And now back to the show. You can't laugh at that. You're offering play as a service so that people who work for you better have that enthusiasm and energy that's associated with having fun. Like there's nothing worse than being at an amusement park where, where employees just seem to be going through the motions. Like, how was your ride, right? Or like, you don't want that. So uh, again, so you, you the, the questions, uh, what, what other things do you do to instill that kind of spirit of play in your employees? Um, especially now when it comes to having to come up with new ideas and adapt on the fly and, and deal with constant never-ending disruption. How do you you instill that energy? Yeah, well, it starts with having your own core values, right? So I created core value, like I figured out what my core values are personally many, many, many years ago. And they're basically my own personal rules of kind of going about the world. And then I, I did an exercise with my leadership team uh, to come up with core values for our company. And our number one core value is fun. And it, it says, we organize other people's fun for a living and we have fun doing it, right? So you can't be that you know, carnival operator who goes, wah, wah, how was your heart, right? Like you can't, you, you, we, we don't have people like that, right? It's one of our core values. We just interviewed uh, somebody who was incredibly skilled and incredibly a great fit for the company on most of our core values and on our potential performance metrics. And they just weren't that fun. And we made a decision. We had now, we had two equal candidates um, for this role. And we made a decision to hire candidate number two instead of candidate number one because of that you know, particular um, core value. So we screen for it. It's actually my personal interview. Like I still interview everybody who joins the company okay. and uh, full-time. And so uh, I, I ask questions about what you do for fun? Right. And who was there and who'd you do it with? And, you know, like I'm looking for them to tell me a story mm -hmm. and to, you know, engage in something that's just, you know. So can you tell perfectly? No, we actually had a guy who we weren't sure about their level of fun um, because they were being so professional during the interview. Sure. Then their their first day on the interview happened to be our company retreat. And we like went on a rafting trip on a, you know, our company retreat. And we weren't sure like how this guy was going to fit in. And like he shows up and he was just laughing the whole time. And then he started like diving into the river and going to other people's boats. So he could just meet everybody. He was the only one who like changed boats. Okay. He's like, well, I'm new. He's like, I got to dive in it. Like, and so we're like, I like turned to, you know, our, our head of HR at the time and I go like, well, guess we don't have to worry about that core value. <laughs> and trial by water, so to speak. Yep, exactly. Oh, that's great. Hey, I mean, uh, 
in, again, engaging uh, people in that interview process and, and really getting to know them on a personal level. That's uh, that's something I, I think a lot of recruiters, a lot of interviewers are, are hesitant um, toward. And I think that you've, uh, in the, the last couple of episodes that I've done, uh, each person has kind of mentioned a little bit of their interview process on how it separates uh, them from from every other organization. And it all involves on some level, we've got to get to know this person as a human being. Like they've got the skills, they've got what we're looking for. Do they have that intangible? Are they a fit? Are they going to further our culture? And somebody who dives from boat to boat, like that's the, the, the nonverbals are right in front of you there. We don't, we don't make people dive from boat to boat during the interview process. <laughs> there's no physical challenge portion. Yeah, there's no, yeah, there's no, we don't do like American Ninja Warrior or anything like that. Um, so what we do in our interview process is um, we have, you know, we have a phone screen. We have what's called a top grading interview, which is, um, you know, uh, a whole philosophy of interviewing. Uh, that is uh, Brad and Jeff Smart's um, philosophy of interviewing. And it's basically all about ex- like what experiences have you had and the, like ma- matching those experiences to the job that you're actually hiring for. Um, and then we do, you know, um, a core values interview, but but I, I run training for how to interview people for anyone who actually is new to interviewing at our company. So even if you've you've been you've interviewed people at previous companies, I still run a training, and part of my training is about your question to answer ratio, right? About listening. Uh, some of it is about just developing rapport during the interview, because what you don't want is automaton answers uh, during an interview process. I said, so the best way to do that is to, you know, just get to know the person at the beginning and find a common thing from their resume that you want to talk about. It's like, oh, you went to such and such school and, you know, you know, what do you think about, you know, the coach of the football team? Like, I don't know, whatever. And, you know, or like, oh, I see you live in whatever. Like, oh, the restaurant, like, you know, right near like, oh, you know, I was just up there and, you know, the, the, the tapas place that just opened up up there is amazing. Like, oh, you know, and then you just, you know, you talk about that, right? Just find anything, anything common to talk about. And um, that's what you do. Uh, and that's how I train my team. And so that actually helps make the interviews very personal as opposed to very kind of, you know, automatic. Mm-hmm. It's, it's weird what you can unlock when you, uh, when you have a human conversation. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Bizarre, right? So right. This, this past year has taught us that, that we need to be on our toes. And, uh, you know, we, we don't know what's going to happen next. We are, are constantly uh, trying to, to find ourselves rooted in, in a sense of certainty, a sense of safety. Now, what you do is outside of the box enough that I would assume that there is a sense of already thinking on your toes within your organization. Uh, So when it comes to the current challenges that you're facing, uh, especially, you know, with the Delta variant and we thought we were going to get back to work and now what's happening, uh, how does that skill come into play? We've certainly had a challenging 18 months. If you had said to me, Hey, Rob, are you completely diversified? I would, you know, like back in March of 2020, I would say, what are you talking about? We've got, you know, two businesses. We operate in, you know, multiple states. We have hundreds of different facilities that we do. We've got hundreds of corporate clients. 
we like if we lost one client or one facility or one sport or one state, like we'd still be fine. What I wasn't diversified against was the lack of public gatherings being allowed. Who knew that that would be a thing? So, um, you know, our in-person sports business, you know, temporarily closed. Our in-person corporate events business temporarily closed. And we actually had to think on our feet of how you do that. Now, because I am an entrepreneur and I'm always challenging the team to one of our core values is continuous improvement. And another one of our core values is own it, which is like, okay, you have this challenge. How are we going to think through it, come up with a solution and things like that? We also have another philosophy, uh, kind of a business methodology that we use, a Jim Collins business methodology that we use called return on luck. Well, let's just say the pandemic was quite bad luck. And the question is, how can you actually take a bad luck event and like be prepared for it as much as possible, but I'll try to turn the bad luck event into something that you actually get good return on. So what we said was, we know what our mission is, right? So our mission is connections, community, and play. So we said, how else can we deliver connections, community, and play to our Zog Sports customers and to our corporate customers? And we tried a whole bunch of things. And the thing that actually really stuck was virtual employee engagement events. And that has become like a mid-sized company in a year. And to the point where, you know, we're working with, you know, we just did a, you know, multi-thousand person event where we had to hire 50 plus MCs, you know, who are mostly like actors and things like that um, to kind of facilitate breakout rooms for a, a global, you know, company event, right? Like, so we're doing that. And we're also doing like, you know, a 25 person, you know, trivia night. Um, and, you know, a hundred person scavenger hunt and, you know, virtual scavenger hunt and things like that and musical bingo and, and, you know, the connection activities and, you know, um, you know, an illusionist and like, so we're doing all of that stuff, but coming back to answer your question, sorry, I just went on a little tangent there. Yeah, you're good. Um, but coming back to answer your question about the creativity and being on your toes is we basically knew what our why was, connections, community, and play. We knew who our customers were, you know, people who are trying to maintain company culture, right? And, you know, kind of the recreational athlete. Um, and we said, how can we provide these activities to these people in, uh, in a different way, virtually? So we tried a whole bunch of things. We tried you know, online trivia. We tried to create a group fitness business where people would be socially distant, um, where we would do both online and in-person fit, group fitness. So some of the stuff worked. Those two things worked a little bit, but didn't work enough to be like kind of with longer. But the stuff that really did work was this, the, these, these virtual company events. And, you know, a lot of it is iterative, right? Over and over and over again, you keep asking questions. Okay, that event was good. What do we do well? What could we do better? And then some of it's asking the client, hey, what'd you like about it? What didn't you like about it? What could we do better? And so 
our events look totally different now one year later than they did in April, May of 2020 when we started doing this. And they are like, they look like unbelievably professional now. And they are. And they were professional back then. Mm -hmm. But they are just, just, they're so much more sophisticated now based on all the data that we brought into them to actually make them better. So again, it's, some of it's the core values, David, and some of it is the, you know, uh, is just having people on your team who really want to solve problems and own it and, and kind of have the, you know, have that, that continuous improvement um, mindset. Mm. Yeah. I mean, having those core values in place as, as guiding principles. I mean, that's, that's one thing that, you know, it's one thing to paint them up on the wall and plaster them all over your website, but to actually abide by them uh, is, is something that unfortunately not enough people do. When it comes to uh, laughing together as a team, this is always the, the last question that I'd like to ask. Uh, what, what's the last time uh, that you as a team laughed together and, and what was it? Uh, we just did um, 52, we just did like a 52 connections thing company or like for our company virtually. And we asked uh, one of the, like I was the one who kind of just picked the questions. And we did, um, we did some stuff uh, where it was uh, the, the, the one question that was the funniest, like what's one thing that uh, people at work don't know about you? So totally open. So you could share whatever you wanted. And I found out that my general manager for our Zog culture business had llamas when she was a kid. I'm like, I'm sorry. You, you, she's like, yeah, my dad, like, like, like never said no to anything. And like one time, my brother and I said, like, you know, like, would it be fun to have llamas? And like, we came home the next day and we had like llamas in our backyard. <laughs> and right, so like, so we, we just thought that was hilarious. Like another person, like, you know, in the company, like, you know, revealed again, like we didn't tell them they had to reveal us. He's like, Yeah, I have a like a third nipple. We're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. Right. And they were totally revealing about it. They're like, you know, whatever. It's like, it's like over here. Like, like we just thought it was hilarious because it was like a reserved person on our team. So we just let, you know, just having those kinds of questions, you just never know what people are going to say. I mean, that's a particularly good one because it's a safe question uh, where you could say like, what's something that people don't know about you that you'd actually want you know, them to know, or what's something that you did for fun when you were a kid, you know, those are, those are safe questions. People can choose to share what they want. And then, you know, so like the whole company was just, was just laughing, um, you know, and, and we like, feel like we got to know people who were in, you know, these people are in like, we're in like six States right now, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and so that was actually really good. Yeah. No, nothing brings people together. Like what, laughing, like sports and, uh, and food. Yeah, we have done it a little bit on on the food and food and beverage side. Like we do some uh, corporate events where they'll send out a kit. Like okay. um, you know, it's not the same, right. but they'll send out a kit where you could you know either cook or you know mixology and you know kind of make your own stuff and then sort of experience it. Um, you know, so you know we 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 work with a partner uh, providing those things. Like we don't have our own kitchen, you know, um, so. 
we have a partner that we work with who, who provides that stuff. So, yeah, I mean, but yeah, I mean, I, I do miss kind of those big dinners and things like that, that we used to have all the time going to happy hour, you know, with colleagues and stuff. I, I do miss it. Mm-hmm. Robert, where can we find you on, uh, on social media? Is there anything you want to plug? You know, really the place to uh, find me are on zogculture.com and zogsports.com. Um, you can find me, you know, Robert Herzog on LinkedIn. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, the, the other stuff that I, um, have been doing as well as I've been doing, uh, CEO coaching, which is kind of another business that we got into, which is again, the same philosophy of sharing the, um, kind of the, our why, right. Connections, community play, um, and kind of systematizing it. Like how can you actually create amazing company culture at your company. Uh, that's a lot of stuff I've been working with uh, CEOs on over the past um, several years. So that's kind of another, ho- it's not a hobby. It's certainly a, uh, you know, a job of mine that I'm, I'm actually really liking. Um, and it's just, you know, Robert Herzog, CEO coach. Um, you know, you can find that on the internet as well. Spreading the good word, fighting the good fight. I love it. <laughs> well, Uh, Robert, thank you again for joining this podcast and uh, again, proving that no matter what obstacles pop up in your way, no matter what the interview process entails, no matter uh, if somebody has a third nipple at work, remember (laughs) that you can always laugh at work. You can't laugh at that. This podcast is brought to you by Water Cooler Comedy. What if your team was as excited to clock in on Monday morning as they were for that first drink on Friday night? As the workforce continues to shift and deal with new disruptions and distractions, leaders are looking for answers as to how they can bring their teams together, recruit and retain top talent, and be ready for the next unexpected adversity. Turns out, when humor plays an active role in the workplace experience, it can help solve all of those challenges. And at Water Cooler Comedy, it's our mission to turn your company into one where laughing together is part of building a stronger culture and improving the problem-solving process. From customized corporate comedy experiences to keynotes to comedy workshops to online training and one-on-one consulting and more, Water Cooler Comedy can help make your company one where people come together to laugh around the water cooler, whether it's in person or virtual. Schedule a free consultation today at watercoolercomedy.org forward slash booking or learn more about us at watercoolercomedy.org because we want to help you make work the time and place to laugh.